I liked speaking in January um, because everyone's still got that kind of New Year kind of feel to them. Um, they've got expectation for the year, anticipation, any other Asian word for the year. There's still hope that something great can happen. Uh, where statistically, if you have kept your New Year's resolution till today, it's the 21st day, you will have statistically made it a habit. Congratulations on anyone who has done that. Luke has stopped eating salt and vinegar chips this year and he has lasted 21 days. So I think he's going to make it through the year. And um, But statistically, that's what happens. But it's such a great time of year to speak about the truths of God and the principles that he, uh, that he gives for our lives because people are more inclined to go, you know what, I'm going to try that this year. And so this morning as I'm speaking, uh, if you already have faith in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you that right now you would, you would begin to say within your heart, I expect you to do something in the next 30 minutes in my heart. I will not be passive. I will engage with your spirit. And so if that's you and you have faith in Jesus Christ, I'd ask you to just simply pray that prayer in your heart right now. I expect, Lord, there is going to be a move of your spirit right now. For those of you that are just testing out Jesus or kind of maybe dragged along by the ear, uh, you might quietly in your heart go, if you're a real Lord, maybe show up for me. Say something that means something to me. And I know that he is true to his word, that when we ask in faith, he will, he will show up and he will meet us. So uh, our key verse this morning um, is found in Psalm 138 verse 8. If you're taking notes, that's where our, our key verse kind of circles around that. And it is this, it says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose in me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. That's a good verse, huh? That's a good verse. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And it was David speaking of this. And uh, if you're taking notes, the title of my sermon this morning is this. Don't pass on the process. Don't pass on the process. Sorry for the lopsided notes this morning. It's usually over here as well. but um, Because we serve a God of process. Take a look at his opening scene of his best-selling book, the Bible, and he wants to uh, create a world, and he doesn't just snap his fingers, he has a process in which he creates it. Each day he does something different, builds upon the last, and it works beautifully in harmony with each other, and on the seventh day he rests. He he is a God of process, and uh, sometimes we don't like process. I really don't like the process that I have to exercise and eat healthy to stay healthy. That process really bothers me. I wish I could just say a verse over me and I'd be healthy, but that's not the truth. I have to do a process to maintain health in my life. And we're a society that doesn't really like waiting. Agreed? We don't really like, gosh, we even created a box that we put in our our kitchen so we don't do the process of cooking anymore. We just chuck our food in and send radiation at it. Um, We don't like waiting. We don't like processes. And uh, it's almost these days that if you have to wait for something, it's not just an inconvenience, it's almost offensive. Do they not know what I have to do with my time? I've got better places to be, better things to do. And if we're not careful, we'll allow this, uh, this atti- 
attitude of our culture where we don't like process and we don't like waiting. We want things quickly to seep in from the physical world and go into our heart and seep into our spiritual life. And then we expect the things of God to happen quickly. And why isn't he doing it? I asked him this morning. Because God is God of process. He will take us from A to B, but there's a process in the middle of that. Yeah. Because he knows that what we have at A won't be enough for what we have at B. He knows there's some things where, he, where we are that we don't need where we're going. He knows there's some things in, at A that we don't have that we need where we're going. There's a process that he will develop us on the way. And uh, even though it's inconvenient sometimes, that's what we need to do. We can't pass on the process. Who loves um, remembering the promises of God? I love remembering the promises of God. Nikki loves remembering the promises of God. Pemmy loves the promises. So uh, I love them. They make me feel good. And they kind of prep me up when I need to. But very often, and I've been very guilty of this, I will remember a partial promise. Uh, In church, we like to quote the, the really happy part that lifts us up. But sometimes it's partial. Um, Here's some famous ones. Psalm 37 verse 4. He will give you the desires of your heart. I like that one. Because I have a fair few desires that he could meet for me today. But it's partial if that's all we're claiming. Because the verse actually says, Delight yourself in the Lord. There's the process. And he will give you the desires of your heart. There's the promise. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart because a heart that delights in him is a heart that is surrendered to him. And a surrendered heart will begin to have desires that align with his. And so when he gives you the desires of your heart, it's actually him giving, uh, uh, doing the desires of his heart through you and our work is purpose in you and you get the promise. Process to promise. There's a uh, James 4, 7. I used to do this one when I felt scared as a kid. Uh, Resist the devil and he will flee. I really liked that one because I actually didn't like walking all the way down the hallway to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. So I'd remember that. But there's also a process of that too. Because it actually says, be subject, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Because when you submit to God, you're able to resist the devil because the things that he is offering you are of no taste to you anymore. But if you try and resist the devil without submitting to God, you'll be asking him to leave in one area of your life while holding his play toys in another. So submit to God and he will flee. There's process to promise. Isaiah 26 verse 3, I will keep him in perfect peace. Peace, it's so... um, Hard to find these days. But the process is this. I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on me. See, see what God's doing? There's a process to the promise. And we can't claim a promise that, not, that we're not willing to go through the process for. Perhaps that's why we have so many people who have been disappointed or have no idea what their purpose is, or 
because they've heard the promises of God, he'll give me the desires of my heart, but haven't done the process and been so disappointed when he seemingly fails them. There's a process to get to the position that God has planned for you. And it's a good plan. It is a great plan. So as we go through this sermon this morning, not passing on the process, I want to bring three key words up to remember, to help us, to get through, to stay on the process. And um, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to, do, uh, going to read from 1 Samuel 24. Uh, it's a story of two kings, one who is the present king and one who is the future king. Uh, the current king is Saul. And in this story, he's in pursuit of David. He wants to kill him. And David, the future king, is hiding out. Uh, This has been going back and forth for a while. Saul's slightly a bit manic and sometimes loves him and sometimes hates him. But at this time, he hates him. So in uh, 1 Samuel 24, we'll pick up at verse 1. It says this. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert. And so so Saul took 3,000 able young men from Israel and they set out to look for him. He came to the sheep pens along the wave, and there was a cave there. Saul went in to relieve himself, and David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of, when he said to you, I'll give your enemies into your hands to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterwards, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul, and Saul left the cave and went his way. Can you imagine... What the men, David's men, would have been feeling when they saw Saul come in the cave. Now, these caves uh, at that point, some were natural, but a lot of them were um, a lot of them were still chipped out so that they could put all the sheep in the cave to get out of the sun. Uh, and so, this cave would probably be quite deep. Uh, Saul would have had no idea that the men were uh, waiting or hiding in there. But can you imagine David and his men as they see Saul unprotected come into the cave? Saul, the guy who's trying to kill him. It would have been like the best game of spotlight ever. The, the guy that you, who's looking for you. Unbelievable. And Saul represented to David his future. David had been anointed as the the king of Israel, the next king of Israel. And all that stood between David and his destiny was Saul. Have you ever had a picture from God where you think, yep, that's my future. That's where I'm going or an inclination or a dream or a desire. I'm going there. That's where I'm going. All I need to do is this. Well, that's where David was at. I know where I'm going. All that stands between me and and that is him. So David was in the position to grasp what God had promised. 
Not only that, uh, in killing Saul, he would have put a stop to David uh, having to run. It would have put a stop to all of his current problems. He could have left the wilderness. He, He no longer had to fear for his life. There was a lot of benefits to killing Saul. But just because it was in reach at this time didn't make it the right time. And the first word that I want us to remember in this process is trust. Trust. Trust is essential to the process of allowing God to take you from A to B. You need to trust that he has the right time. Just because it's in reach at that time doesn't make it the right time. Trust that he has the right way. Trust that he knows what's best. Because it was God who promised David that he would deliver him. God never promised he would deliver Saul to him. Deliverance was the Lord's role. Obedience was David's. And so it is with us. Deliverance, provision, um, setting you free is not our role. Our role is obedience. There was the promise of king... But there was the process of trust. You may have noticed as I read this passage of scripture that just outside the cave were sheep pens. Uh, David was very familiar with sheep. In fact, when we first saw him in his journey, he's tending sheep. He's a shepherd boy. He was a He looked after his father's sheep. And so we see these two very uh, different pictures. We see the sheep outside the cage, uh, outside the cave of where um, God had taken David from. And we see the picture of the king of Israel where God's taking him to. What, What a picture for David. Where he's come from and where he's going. And so he sees an opportunity. Will he pass on the process or will he participate in it? One of the reasons God takes us on the process is because it reveals our heart. There's nothing like an opportunity to reveal what's in your heart. And David sees this opportunity and he creeps up on Saul. And as he gets there, he just cuts a bit of his robe off. David cuts a corner, the scripture says. And then it says he was conscience stricken. Why? Because the process doesn't allow him to cut corners. It doesn't allow you and I to cut corners from getting to A to B. He knew that he was to be king, but not by cutting corners. He knew God had a plan, but not like this. See, there was a process that David had to go through. It was this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight from A to B. The process that gets you from where you were to where he's planned you to be will require complete trust in the plan. You know, all sin, all sin stems from a lack of trust. We sin when we don't trust what God has for us on the other side of obedience is better than what we can produce ourselves. On the way from where you were 
to where you're going. Don't pass on the process. Because if you get there, had David taken Saul's life that day, if you get there, if you get the position God had planned with you, for you without doing the process that he ordained for you, you will have done it in your own strength. And I guarantee your own power will never be enough to sustain God's plan. Your own power cannot sustain God's plan. It's only in his strength. So what will allow you to trust God on the process? This. Remember what he has done in the past. Remember what God has done. We see time and time again David uh, writing the Psalms and he is very... uh, honest and open and frank with God. He talks to him about all of the troubles, all of his concerns. This is going on. This is going on. I feel downcast, but I will praise you because you're good. I'll praise you because you're faithful. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done in the past. Because if you can't praise him for what he's done in the past, you'll never trust him with your future. We need to trust God has a way. And although it may seem ludicrous to us, trust it's the best way. The second uh, word that will help you stay on the path of process is purpose. And Scotty mentioned it, Deej mentioned it, purpose. Remembering your purpose. Uh, On the way to your promised position, don't neglect your present position. What keeps us in the process? What keeps us from going, God, I have a, I've got a better way over here. If you'd like to come, that's great. But I think it's easier over this way. Remembering our purpose. An understanding of purpose. In David's conscience-stricken state, we see him remember who he is. He, he, goes, he says, oh, heaven forbid that I would do this to my master. He's not king yet. He was servant. And when he remembered his purpose, it allowed him to stay in the process. Because he wasn't king, his purpose was to serve. And what we do if, when we take God's plans into our own hands, we put ourselves in the position of king and think he is to serve us. But we remember his purpose and we very quickly and are very aware that he is king. We are servant. We are to serve. We're not to cut corners in the process because of the pain the process is producing. We remember our purpose. So in a moment of clarity, David repented and got back onto God's plan He remembered the verse, Psalm 138, verse 8, God will fulfill his purpose for me, not me. And as he took his role as servant again, God could prepare his heart to be king. In the process of where you're going, if you remember your purpose, God will produce what you need for where you're going. If we take a look at the story a, a little bit more, we, we see what David was listening to when he forgets his purpose. 
his band of brothers in the cave. And uh, as they're hiding in the cave, we see that David's men start to talk. Who wouldn't? If, if I was in a gang and we were getting chased by this guy, and you'd be ecstatic that he was there. And so they say, this is it. <laughs> this is it, David. This is the day. I'm trying to keep it down in the cave, you know. This is the day that the Lord was talking about when he said, I will deliver you and your enemy into your hands to do with as you wish. Does this sound like God? I'm going to free the Israelites into the promised land so they could just, oh, do whatever you want. I'm going to break your chains and set you free so you could just, oh, whatever you, oh, whatever you think, come up with. See, they were... They were quoting a partial promise to David. Yes, the Lord said that he would deliver him, but not to do whatever he wants. Nowhere in scripture does does the promise say to David, you're delivered to do whatever you want. There is purpose to our deliverance. So be careful who you allow to commentate your process. Be careful who you're listening to. Was it not a snake that Eve listened to to get her out of the process in the garden? Was it not Abraham's wife when he, when he listened to her to say, here, sleep with my maidservant because God's just taking too long. Be careful who you allow to speak into your process. Quoting, misusing, distorting the promises of God. God's purpose and deliverance for us is never just to do whatever we want. We may believe that sometimes because that's actually what our culture is trying to get inside of us. Indulge yourself. You deserve it. Go on, spoil yourself. That is not the kind of uh, language we hear along with the promises of God. And when we make decisions that have a loose biblical base but are really just for our earthly gain to do whatever we want with, it's a sure sign that somewhere along the way we've forgotten our purpose. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You may not have a plan, a step-by-step of the purpose that God has for you, but I guarantee you that everyone in here, I know your purpose, to live for the glory of God. That is our purpose. How it is outworked is different in every life, but that is our overarching purpose. When we forget our purpose, we forfeit the process. David, for a moment, forgot his purpose. He forgot that he was to trust God's hand, even when it seemed afar off, to trust his plan, even when it felt like it was taking too long. There is such a temptation when we feel like God has promised us something, but we think, this is taking a little bit long, Lord. I'll help I've got an idea. I know you're busy. I've been working on it. And we hastily try to manipulate God's hand to bless our dysfunction when he was really asking for discipline. 
last word is this, surrender. Oh, that word hurts. The process will always require surrender. You see, this story in 1 Samuel 24 actually ends with Saul walking out of the cave and David actually follows him out. And he calls out to Saul, Saul! And as Saul turns around, David gets down on his knees and he lays prostrate before him and he holds out the corner that he cut and tells him of what he has done. Part of David's process was to learn humility, a surrender of his will. But the greatest example of a surrendered will anywhere in Scripture that we can find is that of Jesus. You see, this process stuff, well, you might think, well, how come we have to do that? Jesus did it too. We see, uh, we, we, when we read about Jesus' life, we actually see him as a child. We uh, see him a little bit. The last we see him is 12. And then at 30, he arrives again. What was he doing for 18 years? The process. He was doing the process. But there comes a, point, a turning point in Jesus' public life. Uh, and, and there's a turn in the Garden of Gethsemane where there's a shift and no longer is Jesus out doing things to people, healing and feeding and and doing all the wonderful things that he was doing. There's a shift and things are now being done to him. He's being taken prisoner. He's, He's being accused. He's being whipped. He's being beaten. Things are being done to him. And sometimes in our process, it feels like we can't do anything, but lots of things are being done to us and most probably so. Because God says that he refines gold through fire. Don't dismay if you're being tested. But all of this stuff that was being done to Jesus, it comes after we see Jesus praying a prayer to submit his will. It's uh, an interesting thought to think that Jesus had a will contrary to God. Evidence would say that when he says, not my will, but your will be done, it kind of isn't the same thing. So Jesus, being a man and God, still had a will. And we see him pray this prayer, not my will, but your will be done. He surrendered to the process. And right after that, the process that came was horrible. You read about it. It was heartbreaking. It was inhumane. And uh, so much so that Peter saw them try to take him as prisoner and he cuts off one of the soldier's ears. He just thinks, no way. Not this process. It's not happening like this. And Jesus says, Peter, no. Uh Uh-uh. We're not cutting corners on this process. I will feel every part of it. I will walk every step that God has ordained for me to walk in my purpose. The only way to see the promise of salvation was that Jesus would go through the process that God had for him. If he had forfeited the process, I wonder if we would just remember him as a good teacher and a guy who did a lot of great miracles. What if he says, no, I'm not doing it. 
I'm choosing my will, God. Can you make another son? Send him. But he took every excruciating step of the process so that you and I would know the promise. The gift of grace, the eternal life, forgiveness of sin, salvation. And I wonder if there's people in here today who somewhere along the way have passed up the process. It's too much. I'm done. Too much asking of me. I'm not challenging you to greatness today or to shake you out of uh, uh, mediocrity. I'm challenging you to submission. What could God do with 200 people whose wills are submitted to him? Regardless of comfort, regardless of what we lose, regardless if we have enough money or the nice house or multiple, regardless, here is my will. Every excruciating step of the process, I'm willing to go through it because I know that the promise at the end is worth it. Submission of will. And it's not just a really spiritual thing. This is super practical. We have people in here who are on the process of being of, of sobriety. Take every single step of the process. Don't cut corners. There are people in here who are on their way to be husbands and wives. Take every single step of the process. Do not jump ahead and feel like that you can grasp at things that are for married people. Take every single step. You want to be promoted. Take every single step of the process. You want to preach. Speak nicely to your parents. Take every step of the process because the promise is worth it. Psalm 138 verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I will walk the path. 1 Peter 1.7 says this, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. His promises are true, church. His promises are good. Will you trust him with the process? Will you trust him? Will you remember your purpose that it's to bring glory and honor to God? And will you surrender your will? As I am going to invite the band to come back. If we could all stand, that would be great. But I wonder if I have been speaking this morning and you are aware of a place that you want to be, but you are not there yet, whether it be a physical thing, a spiritual thing, a financial thing, a moral thing, and there might be an error in your life that you know, you know what, Lord, I think I've been cutting corners. I think I've been cutting corners on that area. doesn't need to be a huge sin, but you know what it is. And you know that you may not have been walking the process of that.
You might need strength and prayer for strength. You might need direction. (laughs) That's all right, Sandy. We'll pray for you. (laughs) But God is not a God who wants to trick you off the path. Put things, stumbling blocks in your way. It says, trust him with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and he will make your path straight. If you need prayer to continue in the process this morning, in any process, this morning I want at the start of the year for you to be able to make a declaration before God and before people that I am going to walk out the process. I'm not cutting corners on this, Lord. I want the best. I don't want a partial promise. I want the full promise. I want to eat of the full fruit. And so if that's you as the band begins to play, I'd love if you'd come down the front and let us pray for you and stand with you and say, we'll stand with you as you go through the process as well. Because he's faithful to do all that he said he will do. In the message version of Psalm 138, it says, Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. If that is your prayer this morning, don't quit on me now, God. I'm still in this. Then we'd love to pray with you. And um, other than that, be blessed and uh, let's worship together.